welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Wow, here we go. It's Thursday. We are on the air. I am fired up. Um, we've got a lot to talk about today. I'm so glad that you are here. You're going to be glad that you're on this, that you're listening to this particular program. Uh, my my, my, um, my brain here trying to kick in. I needed some coffee. Didn't sleep all that well. Not because I'm concerned about MLS in the Champions League. No, that's not it at all. But we are going to talk about MLS in the Champions League. In fact, it leads my news this morning. And I imagine it's going to be one of the topics that we get fairly deep into with our friend Hercules Gomez, who joins us in just about nine minutes. You do not want to move. That's what I'm saying. Stay where you are. Hercules Gomez, uh, you may have heard, waived by Toronto FC, so we will check in with Herc on what's next for him and his career. But obviously one of the brightest guys in soccer going to give us some insight, having played down in Mexico over what goes wrong every time MLS plays those teams in this particular part of the CONCACAF Champions League. We'll talk to him about MLS and everything else that's going on in the world of, of football. So... Again, you are in the right place. You do not want to move. Let's start with our news. Liga MX teams go 4-4 four for four in the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Champions League 2016. Club America sees off the Sounders with a 3-1 win at Estadio Azteca. There was some hope that perhaps the Sounders could be the team to get it done. Ultimately, uh, just not enough there. Uh, they score a goal. Uh, an own goal, and then on the other end, Club America comes right back. Lack of a concentration, perhaps. Lack of sharpness, perhaps. Excuses, excuses, etc., etc. It doesn't matter. It's over. RSL draws 1-1 with Tigres at Rio Tinto Stadium, but loses 3-1 on aggregate. Again, they came into that game with a 2-0 deficit from the first leg. They played relatively well. In fact, if not for a double miss and Europe Mopsisian sort of not being sharp enough, Perhaps we're talking about a different result in that game. Give RSL credit for putting up the fight. Give RSL credit for being the team that looked most likely to get it done last night. In the end, Jinyak puts the uh, exclamation point on the end after RSL's pushing forward. A uh, little bit of um, laziness on, on the sequence that led to Jinyak's goal. Uh, arms up for the ball going out of bounds when it hadn't gone out of bounds. Next thing you know... Uh, it's a goal for Tigrace that seals the tie. So they move on. Here's your factoid. CONCACAF, guaranteed to have a Mexican champion for the 11th year in a row. 11. That's a lot. That's almost 12, if you're counting. Carretero versus Tigres. Santos Laguna versus Club America in the semifinals. There you go. If you are still interested in the CONCACAF Champions League, it's going to be an all-Mexican affair. Over in England, both Arsenal and Tottenham lose on Wednesday. Manchester City loses on Wednesday. This all helps out Leicester, who actually did win in midweek. The Gunners fall six points back of the Foxes with a 2-1 home loss to Swansea. I mean, talk about a dagger. You lose to Swansea at home when you are pushing for a title. This is why people question the intestinal fortitude of Arsenal Football Club. This is why people call for Arsene Wenger to be replaced, despite them being better than 85% of the teams in the Premier League every single year, no matter what, come hell or high water, they are not able to get over that last hurdle. Peter Cech and Lauren Koscielny injured. Peter Cech 
injured by coming up for a header at the closing uh, in the closing moments of that game. Uh, leaped up, came back down, injured himself. Will miss the game against Tottenham on the weekend. Obviously, a crucial match for many reasons. Spurs again with an opportunity to go top of the table. They are th- they were three points behind Leicester. They have a better goal differential. By the way, Leicester did not win. Excuse me, but they lose to West Ham at Up- Upton Park. So they did not chase down the Foxes. Liverpool beats Manchester City 3-0 at Anfield, so a no-show for the citizens. So you've got Leicester three points up on Spurs. Again, because I, I failed in, in, uh, I failed in, in the, um, reporting of, of Leicester City's, uh, game in which they lost, uh, sorry, they, they drew with West Brom on Tuesday to set the table for Spurs to get the lead being three points back. So let me just get, let me resort myself here. Leicester City top of the table on 57 points, four points up on Spurs. Um, you have Arsenal six points back at 51 and Manchester City now tied with Manchester United on 47. Although City does have a game in hand. That's worth remembering. In Germany, things are getting interesting. Mines ends Bayern Munich's streak of 11 home wins in a row with a, that's what streak means with a 2-1 win. On Wednesday, Dortmund uh, wins 2 nothing over Darmstadt. So now Bayern's league in the Bundesliga has cut to five points. And Dortmund plays Bayern Munich this Saturday at the Westfalen Stadion. They can get as close to as two points in the Bundesliga. How long ago was it that we essentially called the Bundesliga for, for Bayern Munich? Again, because it did not seem like anybody had the firepower to keep up with them. But here it is. It's a five-point gap right now. And again... The big clash, top of the table clash coming on Saturday could get very interesting in Germany. Certainly want that. Don't want Bayern Munich walking away with it. Now you wonder if that's going to have some sort of impact on the Champions League for Pep Guardiola and Bayern Munich, who are already dealing with the distraction of the fact that Pep Guardiola is going to be leaving Bayern Munich at the end of the season. There you are. The international side of things, the latest FIFA rankings are out. Make of that what you will. It's the FIFA rankings. It's March. The latest FIFA rankings have the United States moving up two spots to number 30 in the world. Mexico stays at number 22. They're the top-ranked CONCACAF side. Costa Rica is at 33. Only one change in the top 25, as a matter of fact, with Italy jumping over the Netherlands into 14th. That makes the Dutch 15th. Belgium remains the top-ranked team in the world. Other results from yesterday. Lots of midweek soccer. Real Madrid wins 3-1 at Levante. Sevilla one nothing over Ibar. Athletic Bilbao, 4-1 over Deportivo La Coruña. Hertha Berlin with a 2 nothing win over Eintracht. Excuse me. Gladbach, 4-0 over Stuttgart. Schalke, 3-2 over Hamburg. Werder Bremen, 4-1 winners away at Bayer Leverkusen. And uh, Juve beats Inter on penalties to book a spot in the Coppa Italia against AC Milan. They had to uh, deal with an Inter comeback and then go into penalties where they got the job done and have now booked their spot in the final. Uh, and Copa Italia, how, how big of it? I, I mean, not tuned in to that particular tournament. How big of a deal is that? I mean, it's just another trophy, I suppose. But you do have, obviously, two of the best teams in Italy in the, uh, in the final, as you might expect. All right, so here's, uh, again, set, setting the stage for our friend and guest, Hercules Gomez, who is uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes. We'll check on Herc's status. We'll check in on Herc's opinion on the Champions League and why MLS teams continue to fail at this hurdle. We'll talk about the MLS season coming up starting on Sunday. Lots to go over. 
incredible day here at Soccer Morning. Good to have Hercules Gomez back on the show. It's, it's been a while, and we were, for a while, we were trying to work on a regular thing for Herc, but the man was busy. Now we get a chance to talk to him. I'm going to take uh, full advantage of it. Do not go anywhere. Soccer Morning, Backheel.com. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. All right, we're back on Soccer Morning, and we have uh, managed to make the phone work. And we've dialed up Hercules Gomez, who joins us now. It's been uh, it's been a while. I'm not sure when when you were last on the show, Herc, but it's good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, good to be back. All right, so um, Hercules, you've got a lot of fans out there. Um, you know, people who have followed your career from, obviously, MLS, uh, Days of the Galaxy to Mexico. You came back to MLS. You joined Toronto FC for 2015, and, and we just heard the, the news that, that the clubs waived you. W- what's the situation with, with you and, and your career at this moment? Yeah, well, it was uh, not something that was uh, quite unexpected. I found out, um, I think, in the off season that they were having salary cap issues, and they were trying to work a few things out. It was pretty much a, a long story short of uh, they were trying to, all parties were trying to restructure a deal to see if I could maybe fit under the salary cap and help them out uh, to to relieve their salary cap issues, but we couldn't get it done. Um, so uh, from my part, it wasn't something I was willing to do. And, you know, they were very honest and open about um, having to do a, then a buyout and uh, get me off their books in order to stay compliant with the salary cap. So now it's just wait and see. Um, go through this whole process. It's 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 a little strange because a guaranteed is is guaranteed, but not guaranteed in all ways. So now I have to wait and see if um, maybe something comes about uh, in the MLS. If not, uh, go elsewhere. But it's it's the life of a footballer. Sometimes these things happen. Uh, some of these mechanisms and and rules that the league puts in place are uh, are at times a bit difficult to understand. But um, it is what it is. And right now we're just looking forward to the next step yeah you know the, the the business side of things can obviously be tough to deal with um now you and, and you're not you know you're not 21 this isn't your first rodeo so you know how no. this goes um and, and you've been vocal in the past obviously about the way that uh that mls operates the fact that kansas city held your rights for so long which was one of the reasons that you didn't come back to mls uh earlier i imagine uh, at this point, uh, to be honest with you, I'm unclear because uh, you know I cover this league every single day, and I still can't keep track of the rules. Are you free to go wherever you want within the league at this point? Well, I'm technically still under contract. That's where it gets interesting. So my contract, the terms of my contract, kind of made it uh, difficult for all parties. My contract ended June 31st of this year. Uh, okay. So I then okay. would have been free to negotiate with an MLS um, with whomever I wanted or out of MLS. So that's where it gets tricky. And, you know, speaking to uh, the front office and uh, league officials, it it would have been difficult um, to work something out. So now, since it's a buyout and they consider it a wave, even though you're still under contract, I have to go through the waiver process. And what that means is 
all the MLS teams now have a have a chance to to at my current rate right. um, come in and get me. Um, don't really feel that will happen. It's 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 a strange thing because if I was any other MLS team, I would because after you clear waivers, you get a chance to negotiate with the player on another team's dime. So it doesn't really make sense for that team to try to bring you in and take over everything. Um, so now let's just wait and see. Uh, we'll see. There, there are definitely, um, at this stage in my career, places where I'd like to be and others where I maybe wouldn't. So there are decisions to be made. But look, I, I've been very fortunate uh, and, and I still feel very privileged to be doing this really. Well, that, um, that, that leads to the natural, you know, the natural next question is, I mean, you know, I, I'm not trying to retire you early, Herc, but, but I imagine it's, it's, it's been a thought in your mind. You know, it, things like this come up. Uh, and it definitely makes you think, but it's not the only thing that makes you think. I've, I've had, uh, interesting, uh, projects arise in the past and, and it, like you said, we're not getting any younger. I love this game though. And as long as I'm playing this game and it's still fun and I enjoy competing with the guys and getting to the locker room and doing the banter, you know, I will keep doing it. Uh, it, it's really not that much about the money. If I'm being honest, there are, there are other things, uh, other places uh, one could be if that was the case. Um, I just enjoy it. You know, I, I enjoy being part of something. I enjoy uh, the challenge. I enjoy, I enjoy doubters. I enjoy the haters. I enjoy proving those people wrong. I enjoy more than anything proving the people that really support me right. So it's it's one of those things where uh, I'll assess uh, when the situation comes up. But as of right now, you know, it's still something I enjoy. So we'll see. Okay. How many phone calls have you fielded from people back home who said, come, uh, come lead the charge for MLS in Vegas? <laughs> um, I've uh, had a couple, you know, I was, uh, <laughs> there you go. I was involved with Justin Finley, um, a while ago when he was, uh, he and the Nordish were trying to bring, uh, a Vegas team to MLS. It was, uh, it'd be something special. Um, I actually got a job offer to coach a team in MLS. You know, MLS wants a team. MLS thinks they, I'm sorry, a Vegas wants a team okay, there you go. Uh, yeah. in MLS. Uh, you know, Vegas feels that they have the, the MLS uh, caliber of, of attention. The fan base can grow. There are people definitely interested. It's an international city. It'd be the best away game, you know, in the MLS for sure, hands down. Uh, it's It's something that, you know, intrigues people, and you know, sooner sooner rather than later, I hope it happens. Uh, yeah, I was I was actually just uh, just there for my first visit uh, not that long ago, Hurricane, and everybody I talked to did Uber all around town. All these Uber drivers talk about NHL coming to Vegas, and I'm sitting there as a soccer guy yeah. thinking, "Come on, we got to do soccer in Vegas, not any NHL." <laughs> yeah, you know, hopefully, but that's the thing. I really feel whichever team you know kind of gets there first is going to cement. It's going to really have just a huge. Uh, just take some momentum with them. You know, the, the city's just starving for something like that. They, they want their own, something to call their own. You know, the majority of people in Vegas, um, whether born or raised, I'm sorry, born or raised or, or transplants, cheers for an LA team, you know, or, or a San Diego team, San Francisco team. They have nothing to call their own if it's not, you know, you know, V. So they really just want something or starving for something. Mm. Yeah, uh, so we'll, we'll see you there. Uh, that's, um, I, I know you'll be involved one day, uh, I'm sure, at some point. Um, all right, so, so we've established, you know, that, that you, uh, you're not ready to hang them up. More, more than likely going to end up somewhere playing. Um, in the meantime, I mean, while that process is ongoing, uh, you know, lots of people are going to be asking you about, 
things like we saw last night and on Tuesday night, the Champions League, uh, MLS up against these these Mexican clubs. And again, MLS can't get past the Mexican teams. I, I just saw a tweet from Landon Donovan. I imagine that this sums up many of your feelings as well, that the Champions League problem is an easy one to fix. Change the schedule. More importantly, let teams spend $10 million on 10 to 15 players, not just two to three. Yeah, well, that sounds easy, you know. In theory, um, that's part of it. But there's so much more. I mean, you're talking about, you know, uh, salary caps, scheduling, uh, which you mentioned. Then you're talking about um, bringing in the right type of players, uh, giving these players international experience, you know, seasoning these players, uh, really putting an importance on this leap on this tournament, you know. I feel there should be more emphasis on this tournament. I mean, at the end of the day, we talk about MLS wanting to be a top team in the world. Well, you have to win your region first. You can't start with the world if you don't start with the region. So, you know, we have to take over this region. Um, it's going to take total restructuring and working from the ground up. These these players uh, coming up through the ranks um, can't be 21-22 when they get to their first professional game, you know, and then find themselves in a Champions League game in a hostile environment. It's just not the same as these kids who, who are getting first-team looks, whether it be training or minutes at 15, 16 in other countries. There's a big difference. Uh, it's, it's necessity out of comfort, you know. Um, sometimes here in the States, you get out of college and we have these players, I'll play for a bit because it'll be fun. I could say I play professional <laughs> soccer and right. at the end I'll go and I'll start my internship here or I'll start my career there. That's not the case in other countries. It's It's... You know, do or die, this is the way out for you and your family, and it's, it's, it's really necessity out there. It's not comfort. So it's it's a little different. There are many factors involved. Uh, the bottom line is it hasn't been good enough. You know, uh, Landon's absolutely right. Spending more on players uh, would be a great first step, but I believe we have to spend more on the domestic player. It just can't be spend bringing more players because then it's just, you know, we're – we're unloading all these international players with international quality on, on Mexico, but we're getting nowhere with our domestic player. There has to be a balance on that, you know. Mm-hmm. We have eight international slots here, and every team can trade for as, for as many more as they want. I think there's 160 to go around in the league, something like that. It's, it's an insane number. Uh, the Canadian player is, is, is in a tough position uh, because they count as a, a foreign player in other markets that aren't Canada. You know, the American player has to compete with players who who have been far more experienced and seasoned um, and, and, and kind of, I believe, uh, are an unfair advantage when it comes to that. So it's, it's a lot of factors that go into actually competing there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, and, and what, you're, you know, what, what, what you're saying that I'm picking up is that there, are, there might be different ways to get to the point of being able to compete and, or, and win this competition regularly for MLS teams. But the question is, do you want to really, do you want to do that? I mean, if MLS wanted to, and imagine you know you'd have to convince all those people sitting around that board table in New York or that board, uh, yeah, the table in New York is if you want to just throw a bunch of money at the problem and open up the foreign roster slots, you could you could probably win this thing tomorrow. But is that really the way you want to do it? Yeah, that's Pandora's box. You'd fix one. You probably you probably get a quick fix in one and a long term problem in the other. The quick fix would be you probably win the Champions League, you know, given the right amount of talent, the right amount of spending uh, to be brought in in the right market. You get a good team who wins the Champions League and you go to the Club World Cup. The long-term problem would be 
you can't just do it for one team. So it opened up all these possibilities for all the other teams to bring in more foreign talent, which in the end will stifle the domestic players' growth. Look, it's going to happen um, with the Mexican national team with the amount of uh, foreign players coming in. You know, it, it, I really consider Mexico now kind of the English Premier League of Latin America with the amount of foreign players mm. coming in. And it's been addressed before. Sooner or later, what's going to suffer will be their national uh, men's, team, men's national team program. And that'll be the same case for the states if we don't start really spending more adequate time and investment in the domestic player. Well, do you think that there's um, – look, MLS has been conservative, and that frustrates people. But even within that conservative uh, stance, they, they, there still is this – you know, competition element. Obviously, the U.S.-Mexico rivalry is intense on all levels, Herc, and you know that, but is there a problem if, you know, if the Mexican League and MLS are trying to, if there's an arms race somehow? I mean, that might not benefit either side, really, in the end. I don't know if I'd say arms race, but they're they're always in competition, that's for sure. Listen, um, I understand this more than anybody. I did an MLS Net article, and it blew up all over the web on that you know, on the other front in Mexico. And I was trending topic in Mexico last night, um, and I'm getting thousands of messages and, and tweets and mentions from uh, Mexican fans, you know, voicing their hatred for my comments, taking it on MLS kind of thing. Um, it's just the natural, you know, way the beast for them down there. They, they, and here, you know, with Mex- anytime it's Mexico, U.S., or just MLS, you know, Liga Mekis, they equate it with Mexico, U.S. for some reason. And it's, it's you know, they, they love to compete with each other. It's, um, I'd like to say for the most part, a healthy competition, it can get out of hand. But it is what it is. I don't think it's just, hey, we want to outdo each other. It's just the natural competition. Okay. Uh, you know, so much is made of the scheduling part of it. In fact, I've got a uh, friend of the show, Bo Durst, says, go to uh, Eric Winalda has you know, been an advocate for switching the MLS schedule, following more of the European schedule. Certainly what, what Mexico does, sort of taking a, the same idea and, and, and jamming in a big winter break because of the way the weather works um, in the United States and Canada. Uh, so a lot's being, being made of this schedule. And I'll ask you whether or not you think that's a fix, but from a player's perspective, you know, how much how difficult is it to be any of these four teams from MLS when they when they are coming out of training camp when they haven't played a competitive match to go in against a team that's you know not not deep into the class uh to the class aura but you know eight eight games is still a significant amount of games absolutely um if I'm being honest this is my pr- first preseason I've done in MLS in quite some time I want to say maybe eight years and uh it was a it was a tough preseason you know it was very enjoyable it was good uh, you, you can really lay the, the foundation and that groundwork for what's going to happen you know, going into the season. But if you were to tell me that a week ago I would have played my first game and, and got 90, and then literally the next week another 90, I would have said, you know, it would have been tough. There would have been some bodies breaking down. There would have been some kinks to, to, iron, to be ironed out, probably showcased on, you know, national TV. So it, it's it's very difficult. I don't know. Uh, necessarily of changing the schedule would work for MLS, but it definitely is a factor um, moving forward in CCL, that's for sure. Do you, do you think, I mean, there's also been some talk about CONCACAF swapping the schedule of this tournament and making it more, uh, making it uh, a calendar year tournament, meaning it, the, the the group stage would start around now in, in, in February, March, and then the knockout rounds in the final would be um, fall into into December, I imagine, or maybe just November. 
um, if that happened, obviously the MLS teams would benefit. Um, in in even even with having to juggle playoff races and playoffs. Uh, but if they did that, does that take away from whatever the achievement is when an MLS team finally does win it, or, or does the scheduling now make it so that the, the the disadvantage is so large that you almost have to, to, to change it for MLS to compete? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have to change it for an MLS team to win, but it definitely would help. And if I'm being quite honest, I see no reason why Mexican clubs wouldn't want to change it as well. Okay. So a big issue in Mexico is they get to the Club World Cup, and it, for some reason or another, their teams don't do very well. So they, a majority of people think seem to think it's because the player turnover uh, in Mexico with you know their squads every six months, they're different players, different teams, and there's mass player turnover. So now you get a chance to send, you know, your team who's playing better at the moment who actually wins that tournament, that same team to the Club World Cup. I think it could be a win-win for both. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, winning you know the the Champions League, the Champions League is one thing. But you actually have to go compete after that. And trust me, I've been to that tournament. It's not an easy tournament. You can't take anything for granted. And you're being weighed on national scale. You're they're weighing not only your league's growth, but your region's growth. And then when you don't do well, it's not a good feeling. You feel like you let everybody down. So I think definitely it could be a benefit to both. Yeah, um, whether or not that happens, we'll, we'll see. I, I, you know, you, from a CONCACAF perspective, and, and look, I mean, we all know that Go, uh, soccer governance right now, FIFA, CONCACAF, Commonwealth, it's all a mess. People are getting arrested all over the place, so who knows who's even making decisions like this these days. But from a CONCACAF perspective, it can't be it can't be good to have Mexico dominate. Again, I mentioned it, 11 years in a row we're guaranteed a, a Mexican champion, Herc. It, it, that, that's not, that doesn't make the tournament interesting. In fact, I've argued that I'm sort of bored with this, and it's not because I'm an ML, MLS fan and I'm bitter. It's just if one league wins it every time, how is that fun? Look, if I'm CONCACAF, I guess I don't really care who goes as long as my best team going. You know, that's, that'd be the black and white answer. But, yes, you're, you're right. You know, there needs to be uh, – it'd be great if there was more um, of that rivalry where one team wins, one league wins, and then the other kind of spike that interest. And that goes for Costa Rica, Honduras, you know, the rest of the clubs as well. But the reality is, you know, not everybody has the funds um, that – there's a, Guatemala, there's a Guatemalan team that may not have the funds that Galaxy has. There's a Costa Rican team that may not have the, the funds that America has, you know, Club America. There, there are different things, uh, different, um, I guess, factors being involved there uh, to make that not quite possible. It is what it is. Uh, I still feel it's a growing region. Um, every qualifier, as you see, teams that pop up and surprise the, as they say, the Giants of CONCACAF, you know, the U.S. and Mexico, it's not an easy route anymore. I think uh, parity is is developing. It just needs to start at the club level as well. Mm. Uh, speaking of, uh, it's a growing region and 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 that kind of thing. We've got the this this tournament coming up this summer uh, in the U.S. and I guess Canada too. I, I don't know if there's any game scheduled for Canada, uh, but Copa America 2016, the centennial edition of this tournament. You know, some question over whether or not the the South American teams will take it completely seriously, Herc. But regardless of that, we're going to see filled up stadiums. This has been the biggest thing since 94. Give me your thoughts on, on Copa America this year. Well, I think it's going to be huge. You talk about how big 94 was here. You know, I think it's still to this day the most attended World Cup ever. Um, you've got people from all over. Interest will be there. Uh, definitely the South Americans are going to take this, this uh, tournament seriously. It's a Copa America. You know, it's a big thing. I was fortunate enough to play one in 
you know, I grew up watching these Copa Americas, and my first national team camp was actual Copa America and, and, in 2007. And I remember being there and just how massive it was. And we were in a country like Venezuela where it's not even their number one sport. No. You know, and it was insane. Yeah. It was just insane to be part of something like that. And the guys who are going to get to be part of something like this and in their home country here in the States, it's going to be something really special. I think there's going to be full support for plenty of national teams, for the U.S. national team, the Mexican national team, you know, for this region. It's going to be a great tournament. You know, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that 07 Copa America team that you were on because that's the team that people uh, say is the reason that the United States hasn't been in a Copa America since then. Bob Bradley, obviously, we had the the Gold Cup, and for people who have vague memories, uh, that Gold Cup was the one Benny Failhopper scored the winner against Mexico. Then we get uh, the Copa America, and Bob was like, well, I, I can't take my full squad. I'm going to take some young guys. You were involved. Yeah. I think Eddie, jo- uh, uh, Eddie Johnson was on that team. Um, lots of guys um, who uh, who are coming through the ranks. And wh- how do you sort of process, and not your fault, but how do you sort of process that that um, – that the fact or the, the the theory that the U.S. hasn't been invited back because of the team you were on. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just an opinion. I've seen plenty of. Uh, I mean, Mexico's done it plenty of times where they send in their U twenty three squad. Yeah, you know, true. and and they still keep keep getting invites. Um, Jamaica's been invited and they haven't done so well, and they you know they've gotten invites. So it is what it is. It, it was a great experience for for a young guy to have. You know, I listen. I grew up watching that tournament, and so to be able to be part of that tournament was really something really special to me. Um, it kind of uh, cemented and laid the foundations for for what was ahead for me international wise. It gave me that hunger to want to achieve more, something of that. So it's it's a great thing for a player, but like you said, you should be taking your best teams there. Um, you're representing the United States. You're representing uh, CONCACAF. You're representing, well, no matter what country you are, the idea is you play a tournament, you want to win the tournament. So in theory, yes. But like you said, under the circumstances, literally, I tell you, I was there. So that final got done, and we beat Mexico. That day I got there, uh, we left the next morning. It <laughs> wow. wouldn't have been possible for a majority of you guys. Right, yeah. I, I mean, looking at this team, I mean, that, come on, Brad Guzon, Casey Keller, Bobby Boswell, Jada Merritt, uh, Marvell Wynn, Bornstein on that team, Olsen, Failhaber yeah. went, uh, despite, uh, you know, being on the, yeah, as you said, being on the Gold Cup team as well. Charlie Davies was in that team, the very That's early right. days of Charlie Davies. Wow. Lee Wynn was, was on that roommate. team. He was my roommate on the road oh, for the Cup of America. Great kid. 20-year-old you know, Lee Wynn and Taylor Twelman and you and Sasha and Ricardo Cl- Wow, it's a hell of a team now in retrospect. Yeah, it'd be a great team now. Back then, we were just all kids, you know. We had a good mixture of uh, some savvy veterans like Benny there and Casey and, and, and youth. You know, Charlie and Lee Wynn were coming up. I think Lee was like 19 at the time. Yeah, he was wow. playing down in Holland. Uh, he was insane. Insanely, just quick feet on the ball was just something else. I mean, we had a lot of promise, and but that's what it was. You know, you were trying to give these kids. He was like, okay, I can't take my first team, so what do I do? Let me see these kids. So he brings these kids, and we we played very difficult games. It was, I believe, it was Argentina, Colombia, and Paraguay was our group game, our group stage. Um, and so it doesn't matter what year yeah. or what decade you get <laughs> right. in. That's still going to be a tough, right. tough group stage. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was something else. But I'll tell you what, it's a moment that I'll never forget. I mean, you know, most players are lucky enough to get their first cap against, you know, no disrespect to a Panama or, or a Guatemala or, a, you know, 
or Antigua or anything like that. Look at the first cap against a team like that. You know, I came in as a sub from my first cap, and literally my first play was, you know, chasing Messi down and, you know, <laughs> getting the ball. And then it was like Riquelme was on the field, Crespo was on the field, you know, Heinze was on the field, Tevez was on the field. It was just That's insane. something else. Yeah. And we didn't even, we had no idea what Messi was going to be quite yet. I mean, he, he was, how old was Messi at that point? I, I don't know. This was, wow, he had to be 20, I believe. Yeah, no? yeah, he was very, very, very young at the time. I mean, I remember, I don't have a vivid memory of that game. Yeah, 20 years old. He had 14 caps. He had scored four goals for Argentina. I'm sure that number's a lot larger these days. Man, I'm just, I'm thinking about Bob having an eye. I mean, you know, look, Jimmy, Jimmy Conrad was 30. He's one of the older guys, as you, uh, you mentioned, Benny Olsen. Uh, but, but a lot of these guys, wow, never mind. All right, we'll, we'll move on from Copa America 2007. We've already He's a talked- good coach. He's got a great eye. You know, it's, uh, I was, I'm just real fortunate to be part of that group. I mean, a lot of these guys have gone on to do great things. Um, a lot of these guys are still in the sport. A lot of these guys are doing other things still within the sport. It was a very good group. Um, unfortunately, you know, our, re- the results weren't what we would have liked, but that group was a very difficult group. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Herc, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit about MLS. It's, it's starting on, on Sunday. And while you're right now, uh, not with the team, I'm sure you've got some insight for me. Um, at, at least coming out of last year, what you saw. First of all, you know, I, how how many times, and I'm not going to ask you, but you can fill it in if you want, but how many times have you been asked about the difference between MLS your first time around and, and now and the the improvement in the league, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, you know, I've been, I've been asked plenty of times, and to be quite honest, there's a huge, just a huge, huge difference. I mean, I left the league, and I was in Kansas City, and most players, you know, with all due respect to Kansas City, because it's great and it's amazing what they have now, but most players didn't want to be in Kansas City. You'd go to Kansas City, and it was a small market, and you'd play at Community America Ballpark. You know, it was a AAA baseball stadium. Um, it was tiny. I think max you can get probably 10, 5, 11,000 people in there, and it wasn't quite the environment one wanted to play in. Uh, and now it's one of the premier landing spots for any player in this league. You know, uh, it's, it's Soccer City USA for many, and it's, it's Great atmosphere, great buzz. Uh, I can't even tell you how numerous sellouts in a row. It, it really just has changed. That's one of the many places it's great to play. Uh, there's more money in the salary cap to spend, so you're getting a better quality of player. They're doing a better job of bringing in uh, these foreign players. Before it was, well, he's got a name and we'll bring him in, and, and maybe it wasn't soccer people making soccer decisions, and now there's a little bit more tax when it comes to bringing that type of player in, and we're doing a a way better job of that. Even the fan, the fan is more educated now than they've ever been. And that's amazing. Mm. Uh, so when you look at, uh, I mean, I'm not going to ask you to make a bunch of picks here, but, but based on what you know about TFC, for example, because I think a lot of people are, are picking TFC to make, uh, to make a big move up in the world this year because, you know, last year it was about, they could score goals and Jovinka was amazing. And, and, uh, you know, you know from attacking in how good they were, but the, the, the defensive uh, problems kept them, uh, held them back. Yeah, if I'm being quite honest, uh, I think it's a little unfair to, to the defensive core uh, group. I think uh, being a good defensive team is there's a lot more that goes into it than just a good back four, you know, and a good six holding six. It's to be a good defensive unit, it takes 11 players, and I think that's where maybe last year we were struggling. Um, we didn't have that 11 on the same page doing the same things to defend and to be a strong unit. Uh, for whatever reason, 
I think this year uh, they should be a lot better at that. That's pretty much uh, a lot of the focus on in preseason was, you know, strengthening that defensive unit, uh, all lines. So you should see a better TFC defensively. I'm hoping. You know, I'm, I'm still, I still, I'm going to root for these guys. They're you know, the great guys. You know, in the locker room. I'm, you know, very fortunate to be part of that. Uh, they've got lots of talent up front. Uh, it's about staying healthy. As you know, when you spend money on DPs, uh, it's going to take a larger chunk of your salary cap. So you really need these DPs to be not only firing on all cylinders, but just to be on the field at all times. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of pressure. You know, it's it's going to be a lot of pressure. Uh, TFC's got, they're under a magnifying glass, but I think they'll do well. Um, quickly here, uh, one of the more troubling things we've uh, we've seen in uh, the last couple of years is the continual problems with uh, Josie Altador and his hamstrings. He's got another hamstring injury. Maybe, I think it's preventing him from starting this weekend for a TFC. I'm sure he'll be back relatively quickly. But you know, as a guy who's torn, uh, who's, who's uh, pulled his hamstring as a as a civilian, I can only imagine as a professional soccer player how difficult that can be. What accounts for um, you know sort of recurring problems with that, Herc? And, and and as a player, how do you address something like that? Well, I'll tell you what, if I ever get explosive, as explosive as Josie, I'll let you know. Okay, all right. <laughs> this, this kid is, uh, he, he's a freak with his physical abilities. Um, he, he is just a big kid in general, strong, fast, you know, uh, very explosive. And with that comes these hammy injuries. It's just part of it, part of the game for him. Uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, he's a, he's a very good player. I, I don't understand a lot of the um, Josie hate that goes around. He's 26 years old. You know he's going to be playing in another World Cup if he stays healthy soon. You know this kid, when it's all said and done, could be the leading goal scorer in a U.S. national team jersey <laughs> I know, uh, ever. I know, I mean, if he stays stays healthy and he go, keeps going on the pace he's, he's going, that's what's going to happen. He's going to be one of the all time greats. Uh, he, he doesn't get the really the respect he deserves, and it's crazy to me because his production level at the national team has been just something else. Um, Injury-wise, it happens to every player. Yeah. Trust me. Uh, it's it's a bit of a chain reaction when you get one injury and you're trying to come back and, and you start kind of snowballing into other little things and, and maybe nagging injuries that, that don't help you really clear up the issue and kind of prolong that. So there are a lot of factors that go on into something like this yeah um how much uh just to sort of put a cap on 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 maybe trying to figure out the josie hate um how much of that is just um an inability of fans and even the 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 knowledgeable ones even people who understand the game to sort of appreciate everything that goes into anybody's performance um you know i've had discussion with with holding mids who say i thought i played great and people on the street are telling me i sucked so obviously there's a disconnect there when you're on the field and you come off of a performance, uh, obviously, as a forward, your goal is to your your job is to score goals, but it's much more involved in that than that. H- how frustrating is it to sort of have people not understand everything that goes into your job? You know, you have to be professional enough to put that aside. It's difficult because at times, as professional or as thick-skinned as I can be. My family may not, they don't understand that. You know, they've never been put in that position and that could be difficult for one as well. You know, I could have a bad game. I could have a bad season, uh, or whatever. I could not be somebody's cup of tea. There are players, or there are probably uh, fans that, that can watch a player and say he's terrible, but he's exactly what that team needs. Mm-hmm. And it, this is sometimes when we, when I see, I, I go on Twitter or I see, I read an article and they do 
you know, um, let's do player ratings. I think those are some of just the most outlandish <laughs> things and just obscure things uh-huh. any reporter can do because you don't know, you don't know the game plan for that day. Maybe a certain forward or offensive player, his his role that day could be to shut down this sector a little bit more, to focus on this and more than than that. Um, but you're just going to be rated on somebody's perception, and that's very difficult. I think fans sometimes mm-hmm. uh, they go with their feelings and get emotional and let that base your decision. When in theory, I mean, if you aren't good enough to be there, you won't be there at the end of the day. And for a, for a player, it's about setting all that aside, doing your best to help your team win. Cause at the end of the day, you owe it to your teammates and you owe it to yourself. Yeah. Um, the fans are great. You know, you want to play for them and represent them, but you're doing what you need to do to try to win the game, not to try to pee somebody. Yeah, don't don't tell my editors, uh, Herc, but I hate doing ratings. I really, really hate doing it because because I, I, I'm very much aware that there's so much stuff I'm not picking up, especially when I'm watching on television, much less live in a stadium. That not was because I probably just lost myself some money there. Let's move on. Uh, I'll let you go here. Last thing, you know, I'm 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 thinking about the next steps for you. Obviously, you're looking for a, a playing gig, and and I really hope you find something that that suits you and that you want to do. Um, are we are we going to have any any little Herks running around anytime soon? Um, well, that's the that's the idea moving forward. You know, wife and I are, are extremely uh, happy right now. We'd like to, uh, you know, uh, have some some little babies and run around in the future, but we'll yeah. see, you know, right, right now, uh, all my efforts are, are, you know, on finding the right situation. It, look, and this is the thing that people need to realize there, are, there are plenty of, I guess, uh, gigs or situations one could be in. Um, but it may not make sense for, for he and the family. So it needs to be the right situation for us. Um, it can't just be anywhere. Uh, definitely understand that I'm in, I'm close to the end of my career, and I definitely want to make sure that if I keep playing, it's something where we're all happy. There you go. I hope the hopefully hope for the best. Uh, thank you very much for the time, Hercules Gomez, joining us on Soccer Morning. Great to have you. Let's not make it so long the next time around, depending on how things are going for you. I, I expect you'll be busy here very soon. Thank you, Herc. Well, I'm always willing and able. Thanks for having there me, guys. There goes uh, Hercules Gomez. Good stuff for him. Let's step aside. We'll open up the phone lines and talk to you on a Thursday. Soccer Morning. Backhill.com. Do not go anywhere. to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. All right, there's literally no way this show could get any better than what we just had with Hercules Gomez. So it's all downhill, but it's okay because it's going to be downhill together. You and me and everybody else, we're going straight down and talking soccer all the way there. Just a, uh, um, a little bit of a tease here. Tomorrow, Friday, the last day of Soccer Morning before the open of the 2016 MLS season, we will be doing our Predictapalooza show. I don't, that's not the, is that the, the name we, we came up with? I don't remember if we named it. Predictapalooza sounds terrible, but it's something you maybe you could put on a, a t-shirt, perhaps? I don't know. Um, regardless, here's what's going to happen. We are going to talk to Alexi Lalas, 
full interview, discuss the league, maybe range into some other topics. Then, in rapid-fire fashion, we are going to have Grant Wall, Jonathan Tannenwald, Charlie Bohm, Doug McIntyre, Ariel Castillo, um, uh, Stephen Davis, Steve Davis, Stephen, Steve, Dave, Steve Davis, Eric Wiebe, Brian Dunseth, Andrea Canales, uh, Jeremiah O'Shan, John Strong, Matthew Doyle, and two more guests that are yet to be confirmed. So, if you like a lot of guests on your show, did I say Eric Wiebe? I meant, uh, that's not what I meant, Andrew Wiebe. My apologies to Andrew Wiebe. I know his name. Did I say Eric? Okay. And, and, I, and, and I know that one of the people that may be confirmed is named Eric. I think that's happening, right? Or that's something we're working on. So maybe that's where I got confused. Let me try that again. Because I asked Trevor for the list, and it is completely riddled with spelling mistakes, which is why I was thrown off. <laughs> Grant Wall, Jonathan Tannenwald, Charlie Bohm, Doug McIntyre, Ariel Castillo, Steve Davis, Andrew Wiebe, Brian Dunseth, Andrea Canales, Jeremiah Oshan, John Strong, Matthew Doyle, and two more to be confirmed. There, let me do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I fixed it. I fixed it. All right. Uh, 646-832-3909 is your phone number. So every one of those people will be, we'll be putting them on the spot. They will make an MLS Cup pick, a champion in each conference pick, a supporter shield pick, an MVP pick, and maybe a surprise team pick. Uh, I usually throw in one one random oddball question in the five minutes that I grab with each one of these people. I think this will be our, is this our third or is this our second? And we did a wrap up version. I can't remember exactly. Seriously, people, we do this every single day and I'm happy to do it. But sometimes I just can't remember what we did last week, much less last year. All right. I also wanted to. Uh, by the way, get those phone calls in, 646-832-3909. Don't run out of time. I wanted to touch on the Soccer Morning Fantasy League, which is up at MLSsoccer.com, the fantasy page at MLSsoccer.com. The, the, um, the way to join is to, well, there's a link on my Twitter right now, or you can, uh, or you can use the code, which is 7236-1827. That is the code to join 7236-1827 right now i don't know how many we've got a good number of people have joined up already uh, we got some good names here let me just throw out some of my favorites because uh, i like puns and i like references to other teams with mls uh type things my team's name is pocunicaciones <laughs> which i don't know where that came from it was in the last minute i hadn't even thought about what my name was going to be it's Pocuna Casionis. And I, then I did not even include uh, Cuadro Poku on my team, which is a complete fail. If you're going to name your team after Poku, then Poku has to be on your team. And I didn't do that. So, yeah, laugh at me. Uh, we've got It's a Win-Win for Lee Win and Marvell Win. That's from Kyle. <laughs> I Have No Clouty from Drew. Uh, Burning Balls FC from Edgar. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying. Uh, Tam Ream uh, from Mark. I'm not sure what that. Oh, Tam rules everything around me. <laughs> Very good, Mark. I like that one. <laughs> Ush Money from Brian Shaw. Uh, FC Centenario from Jamie. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, Dubai Jets. I'm not sure what that is. I'm just reading some of these. I, I don't even know if they're good when I'm reading them. Devils Rejects FC. I've seen that before. That's Paul Santi on Twitter or Santi. Uh, let's see. Uh, Trap Lords. T R A P P Lords. That's very good. John Wilkinson. Uh, a couple of others here. Uh, Bandits. New Bedford, Bedford Whalers. Cool team name from J Bell. <laughs> there you go. That's meta. Let's go to Roberto in Connecticut who's on the line. What's up, Roberto? Hey, Jason, how are you? Good I'm, morning. I'm doing good, man. You, you want to bum me out by talking about that thing? Well, I mean, do you want to? No, I don't really want to, but it's your show when you call in, Roberto, so go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I was just I, I was just wondering if you, if you saw the uh, the comments made by Histo Stoichkov uh, last night. I, I saw somebody retweeting or somebody sharing Stoichkov, and then that was retweeted. And let me just say that... Um, while I respect Stoichkov for his for most of his career, uh, minus what he did uh, f- with DC United and the the kid he whose mm-hmm. leg he broke, I think he's I think he's flat. I, I don't, it's not that he's wrong necessarily, Roberto, but he is he is painting with a very very broad brush. Mm. No, no, it's it's well. I mean, there, there is a there is a bit of a point, in, honestly, but just um, it's just tiring to see. Us perform underwhelming in a in a tournament where we should perform above expectations, but we fail to have one team in the semifinals now. No, it's, I it's, it's I, I understand. I understand. And look, as long as MLS is failing, people are going to throw that stuff out there. And and it's whether it's mm. it's Stoichkov who did again. Stoichkov played in this league, so he has on some level he has every right to to throw out his opinion. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that. Stoichkov shouldn't say these things. I'm just saying that when he does, I'm going to pick them apart. And in my mind, what he said, and for anybody who doesn't know, and I was trying to pull up the actual comment, but I, I don't have it. By the for other people who don't know, Stoichkov is doing Spanish language analysis these days. Uh, it's one of the things that he does. Um, he said flat out, MLS needs to stop chasing aging or, or signing aging European players and focus on development in order to win this competition. Those two things are not mutually exclusive, Roberto, and we've seen that. I mean, for, yes. for despite the fact that Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard play in this league, there are a number of young, talented players who are coming through and young, talented players who are being signed out of academies. And yes, MLS has not reached full critical mass when it comes to its academy system, but we are only talking about 10 years. So this is a process, and I think that if we begin to get too concerned, or if we if we overreact to where MLS is on the development front, we are going to miss the good things that are happening and maybe not focus on them well enough to continue doing them so that we get better at this. And I'm not saying, look, not saying everything's right with the system, but you have to give it a chance to bet in, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Definitely. Okay. It's only going to take some time. And I'm just wondering if I could uh, give out the predictions for the uh, the MLS Cup. If uh, absolutely. Okay. If you want to do that other... today. Yeah, man, go ahead. Um, well, to pick the winner of the MLS Cup, I'm going to go for the team that you picked on the SPNFC and going for the crew. Okay. Yeah. I think that, look, they know who they are. They know their mm-hmm. style of play. Exactly. It, it's not like anybody figured them out last year. What happened against the Red Bulls was simply, uh, or sorry, what happened against the Timbers in the final, my bad, because they did, they did it to mm-hmm. the Red Bulls, was, you know, uh, no. a couple of bad lapses in concentration. I don't think they were played off the field by any stretch of the imagination. They're definitely good enough to do it. 
Absolutely, and they have the capability and the talent to do so. And I think a team that they have to fear would have to be possibly maybe Toronto, honestly. Okay. In in the East. Yeah. In the East. I, I mean, I'm, I think a lot of a lot of people are looking for a big thing from for big for big things from Toronto, and I think they're going to be better. Um, but but you know we'll, we'll see we'll we'll see it's 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 you 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 had you got such amazing uh, such an amazing performance out of Javinko last year. You're going to deal with some absences and some injuries. Things could fall apart, not not to the point where they don't make the playoffs. I think Toronto's a playoff team, but are they good enough to win an MLS Cup if some things go wrong? If, if in the cause of Giovinco, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Nah, there you go, there you go. Robert, Roberto, anything else? You want? Uh, uh, no, no. Enjoy your weekend, Jason. I right, appreciate the, it. Uh, MLS. Goes goes uh, Roberto. So yeah, MLS uh, getting underway. On Sunday again tomorrow. Uh, no time for phone calls, by the way. I just want to make sure that that's clear with the guest of Palooza. Well, guest of Palooza Thon prediction uh, extravaganza. We won't have time for calls. Joseph at DC, go ahead. What's up, Jason? Um, I just want to talk a little bit about the coaching landscape in MLS. Okay. Um, it was last week or last past few days. Um, Pablo Mastroianni was quoted. Uh, from the Burgundy Wave as talking about how hard it is to transfer from being a player to a coach. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, players cannot coach. Only coaches can coach. So what's the future of uh, kind of coaches in the MLS? I mean, we're kind of seeing a new wave with Greg Berhalter, um, Caleb Porter, all of that. You know, are we hitting a transition moment or have we already hit it? I, I think that we are, we have already hit sort of a, um, a transition moment in terms of the generational shift. Uh, what I, I think the next, the next major milestone for MLS is, is when we get to the point where we are a league that is only, that, that has coaches, that only has coaches who have played significant professional careers. Um, or, or in the odd case of somebody like, uh, like a Jose, maybe a, a superstar on that level who, who makes a career out of coaching and somehow bucks that trend. But we still have, we still have, and I look, I know he was drafted by the Cosmos. I know he played a couple of games, but Rabuz Arena was not a professional soccer player by, uh, by any reason, reasonable standard. And neither was Siggy Schmidt. Um, so those two guys come to mind immediately. Um, and then after, after that, Joseph, what I think will, represent change but i don't know if it will happen is a significant interest maybe on the back of patrick Vieira and ponovich if they do well a significant mm-hmm. interest in foreign coaches again and foreign coaches i think the pedigree level is going to go up now we look uh we've had some guys in this league who are relatively big names i mean certainly root hillett Hullet was a big name but root hullett Right, right, was right. A, was an anomaly because of the Beckham experiment. So we can't really include him as a as a trendsetter by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he was, and obviously he was a disaster. Um, <laughs> y- you have, uh, oh man, um, y- you have had some guys who have been here and then gone on to bigger things. Obviously, Juan Carlos Osorio was here. Carlos Carosh, um, who's right now with, with Iran, um, has has done some things in, in Europe. Um, so so. The other way around would obviously be representative of some significant change, but it's going to take a certain type of of owner, and and I don't know who that is right now. I don't know. Maybe Joey Saputo down the line, but Bielos his boy, so he's going <clears> to <throat> give him a full shot. Um, maybe the Galaxy post Bruce go in that direction. Maybe uh, maybe somebody with a lot of money steps up. Maybe maybe Atlanta 
feels the need to, rather than a, an American name um, decide to go big uh, international, yeah. try to go big international. I, I don't know yet. And um, kind of along those same lines with that transition, I mean, how hot is Ziggy Schmidt's seat right now? Yeah, I, I mean, it depends on how they start. Uh, you know, a lot of people last night, despite the way that that game ended uh, with Club American, despite losing the tie, we're, we're saying, hey, look, this is still a good team. Seattle is still a good right. soccer team. Um, if Ozzy Alonso stays healthy, they'll be fine. Now, he's got to stay mm-hmm. healthy. And, and I know, look, uh, never damaged my groin like he damaged his groin, but <laughs> but that, that can't be an, an easy injury to come back from or to be comfortable that it's taken care of, if you know what I mean. Like, like yeah, you'll hear yeah. guys who come back from knee injuries talk about, you have to trust your knee. Like, it's not just about, is my knee healthy? Oh, my knee's healthy. I got the tendons in there. Can I, can I go all yeah, out? Have confidence in I have that. to have confidence in that. So, so, uh, Ozzy looks good. That, that's a good step. I don't think, I don't think yeah. Siggy's seat is hot unless we're talking about Seattle in eighth place come August or September. I mean, that, that's how, that's okay. how, that's how bad it would have to be. Um, and then if I could throw one last question at you, um, where's Precky? Yeah, where is, where's Precky, people? I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like we've been conned here. And this isn't Grant Wall's fault, okay? Yeah. Grant Wall went and did the reporting, and thank you to Grant Wall. I don't know that he picked that mantle up for me necessarily, but he went and did the reporting. <laughs> we found out he, that, that, that Precky was with his, with his Serbian buddy in England looking for a club. As far as I know, they don't have a club. And and Preki is still missing, and we still don't know where Preki is. <laughs> where is Preki? Thank you very much, Joseph. I appreciate it. that's a that's a mic drop opportunity. I'm gonna let you go before you ruin it. Let's talk to Greg in Oregon. What's up, Greg? Hey, Jason. Talked to you yesterday, but I didn't get a chance to uh, talk a little timbers with you. You're okay with that? Yeah, go ahead, man. All right. So I'm um, driving over uh, Saturday. Can't on the wristband line, so I'm get excited and I'm listening to a few podcasts. There's a few good ones for Timbers fans. And there's one, there's yeah. just five guys that sit around and talk Timbers and they call themselves the Portland Timbers. <laughs> yeah. And they do this thing preseason where they do over-unders on some of the players on what they're doing. So, so maybe I can throw a couple out here to see if you might have a guess or two. Just for okay. one little thing. Sure. Uh, for example... He has a way over under 20 combined goals and assists this season. Coming in healthy, finishing strong with that new single pivot they got going. What do you think? If I'm putting money on this uh, and I'm pushing at 20, ah, man, I got I to gotta go under. I mean, I, look, I, I, he's capable of it. There's no doubt about it. He could be 10 and 10. He could, be, he, he could have eight goals and 12 assists. Uh, or, or 13 assists, but I think we're gonna, I think he's gonna have at least one injury stretch, and that's gonna prevent him from getting there, Greg. I think it's, you know, if he, if he gets to 19, that's obviously still in a remarkable season, but he's not going over 20. Okay. Okay. So, a side question. If he does go over 20, I know you think he's not going to, but if he does, and the Timbers, are in the hunt for the supporter shield. Is he an MVP candidate? Yes. Or is that going to be locked up by another fantastic no. Juvenco? No. Well, he'll be, he'll be a candidate. I mean, he'll be the Benny Failhaber of 2016. 
more than likely, depending on whether or not whether or not there's another goal scorer. Look, yeah. goals are flashy, goals are sexy, goals get attention. You got to score goals. I mean, Benny Failhower had just enough goals last year, in addition to his his assist total, to get people to say that's a really amazing MVP season. He just got beat out by an even better season by Jovinko and a gaudy to- goal total from Kai Kamara. So he'll be in the conversation if he gets over yeah. twenty. Sure. Okay, and if you change the head every every year, 
it's just not you're not going to get anywhere. So just leave this guy there for a yeah. while, please. You know, um, I I uh, I mentioned this before. I did a piece on the hot seat. I'm uh, uh, coaches on the hot seat for MLS in 2016. Did not include Patrick Vieira because I don't think it matters. I mean, look, if they have the worst season in the history of MLS, if they fail to win a game, if they have you know if they get 12 points all year, okay, maybe. Maybe. I, I don't think that's going to happen. The league is way too competitive. They have some quality. They'll get some wins. He's going to stay in that job because this is he's, he's got a different, I want to say pedigree. It's not really about that necessarily. It's about, well, yeah, it is. It, it's sort of about where he comes from and who yeah. he is. And, and that's, that's, that's unfair to Jason Christ. Let's just flat out say that. Okay, NYCFC is going to end up being hypocrites if Patrick Vieira finishes eighth or ninth or tenth and they keep him around after they fired jason christ Let, let's just say that okay but, agreed but that's okay from I'm a building perspective because better to go into year two with patrick Vieira than to fire another coach go through the whole process again change everything up blah 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 i'm with you washington 100 percent. all right thanks Roger. all right there goes washington washington up in new york Hey, Jason, what's going on? I love Washington's uh, mic technique. Let's go to Aaron, slightly different mic technique uh, in Jersey. What's up, Aaron? Hey, how's it going? Um, I, that was a great call. I mean, I think, uh, you know, r- routine does foster, you know, development. And, uh, uh, I, you know, and, and speaking in, in line of that, I think uh, there's small things that we can do to make the CONCACAF and Mexico U.S. stuff just work better. And, and, and I'm a little surprised that, you know, MLS U.S. Federation and the same with, with the uh, Liga MX don't really just have a better working relationship given the amount of money that they leave on the table, because that's really what this turns into is just, you know, we're, we're sitting, you know, with these two regional powers who just don't really play great football together. Uh, from a you know you know from a, a year-to-year basis, and, and that's a rivalry that's just kind of you know I mean other places in the world know know about our rivalry. I yeah. mean, like I, I, I said a, a, a month back or whatever when I got back from Europe is just the you know pe- people reference it the same way people reference you know big European or Latin American you know so, uh, South American rivalries, and it just it's just surprising to me that we just don't really either see that or the people just don't want to get in the room together because I mean, I, I just think that they're leaving. It has to be at least tens of millions of dollars a year. if not probably more. Sure, But, but is that, is that the kind of spirit you want? I mean, isn't the spirit of, of international soccer and, and even club soccer on some level, very much what you talked about is about fostering the rivalry just because something makes sense from a business perspective doesn't mean that you should do it especially when we're talking about sports Aaron and it's not it shouldn't be about business first it should be about the competition first I mean I think it's a it's a combination I mean it's it's very uh you know one feeds the other especially when you're looking at 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 the tight regions you know it's 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 I mean if you look at at, at, you know, in, in France, you know, Lyon against, you know, St. Etienne. I mean, you know, you have these just historical regional rivalries and, and, and there's no way that, you know, Tijuana and, 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 and the galaxy shouldn't just be this great rivalry there. Right. I mean, there, there, there's no way that the same thing in the kind of like the Tola, Texas area and, 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 and Northern Mexico shouldn't have similar rivalries. I and mean, these are just kind of, 
I don't want to call them free opportunities. You know, because I don't just mean in the business sense. I just well, mean in, in okay. just good I, football. I'll tell you, I mean, I'll it tell gets you exciting where, if you have players going back and forth. I, I, traders, I agree. Boston, I agree. New York. But I, but I, I, this, I'll tell you where my brain goes. And this isn't a reason not to do it. You, you don't, you, you don't avoid something because it'll be, it'll be difficult. You try to find re, uh, ways to, to fix the problems. But man, if we opened up, uh, some cross border soccer action, I can just imagine some of the, um, the nastiness that might come with that on both sides. I'm not, I mean, there would be, uh, you know, you can guarantee some racist behavior. You can guarantee, you know, American teams facing the, the thrown coins and bags of urine type of, type of situation. That already happens. I mean, is that something that we really want to have to deal with? Does that complicate soccer? I mean, I think in some ways, you, you know, we deal with it anyways. We just don't deal with it. I, I, I think, you know, part of what makes sport great is that um, it's a manifestation of kind of who we are. And if you look at when it can be best, it's when we kind of overcome, you know, who we were. I know that's being a little philosophical, but I mean, I just think there's, you know, in, inherently we are all a little Mexican and inherently Mexicans are all you know, American. And, and I don't mean U S American only, but it's just, you know, we all have each other and we're all stuck on this part of the hemisphere and no one's moving. And so, you know, and, and, and I think soccer is one of the few things that, you know, uh, both countries, maybe it's, it's obviously not both countries top sport always, but, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a, it's a constant, you know, there's, it's always there. And I just think over time, we're going to have to deal with this anyways, right? I mean, over time for CONCACAF or MLS or League MX to become really what they all say they want to be, we're going to deal with each other well, from a more competitive standpoint. I, I, I view it it's, as, it's, I, I, I don't know that I view it as an eventuality um, necessarily, Aaron, but I, but I do think that Look, there are opportunities, as you would say. There are opportunities there. Does that mean we should take those opportunities? I think that's a different question. There's a philosophical element to that, and I think that I think that the for 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 America for the people on the American side of things, there are ways. And I sort of touched on this with Hercules Gomez when it came to spending on MLS teams to go win the Champions League. There are ways to sh- there there are shortcuts available. There are ways not to game the system but to sort of say well throw let's throw up our hands on this long arduous slow growth process and uh, at least in terms of of player quality and spending and just throw a bunch of money at the problem and 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 figure it out that way and bring in a thousand uh, new foreign players and that'll fix everything knowing at the same time that that's not what's best or that's not what's going to get the country to where it wants to be as a soccer playing nation i'm just i'm just saying that it's a pro and con situation with everything Absolutely. And, 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 and I don't believe in, you know, buying a bunch of foreign players in, in anyone's league just to, you know, magically try to win a cup because you wind up devaluing it and then the flip side could happen where we buy the cup and then the Mexican teams aren't that competitive. I mean, in the end, and I guess that's the, kind of the whole point I have, which is, you know, we're all stuck in CONCACAF. And unless there's going to be some future hemispheric football association, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, I, I don't think very likely for a long time, you know, it, it, this is our CONCACAF and, and ultimately Mexico and the U S this is our rivalry. 
and, you know, we'll have great upstart teams, um, you know, and obviously Costa Rica has something to say about all of this, um, you know, and I think long term they probably have a lot to say. But, you know, in the end, it's like we're all stuck with what we have, and, and we should really at some point try to make small changes every year to make these things work better because I don't think it's that crazy to really have a working. I mean, if you think of what we do every day and how much we have in our lives, how much of it comes from Mexico, when you go to Mexico, how much of it comes from the U S I mean, it's kind of absurd when you move to something like soccer that we just don't do the same thing. Okay. All right, I mean, fair it's, enough. It, it, it doesn't really make sense, you know, to me at least. Uh, and I, and, I and think, my, my homer pick is, is the LA Galaxy. Okay. I'm from uh, LA, so I have to always support uh, LA teams. So. I, got, uh, I got Felix S9 on Twitter who says his pick is LA versus NYCFC <laughs> with LA winning 3 1 in the final. So he's, he's picked. Uh, he's picked uh, and, and, and 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 I would like that because my my daughter loves NYFC because you know Prewell plays there. So there you you know, it's, uh, Aaron, appreciate the call. It's it's food for thought every time you call in. And thanks a lot, man. I'm, I'm gonna let you go. Thank we're, you. We're gonna wrap up Cheers. this edition of Soccer Morning. Uh, um, well, everything that Aaron said is fascinating, and 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 we've all thought about that. We've all thought about the combination of uh, of USA and Mexico, and and there's even been those weird completely unsourced, ridiculous rumors that the two leagues would merge into some sort of weird North American Super League, which which I don't I think is unwieldy and impossible and and culturally we have a lot of problems with that. Um there's been the suggestion obviously of CONCACAF and Commonwealth c- combining, but that creates a travel problem for for everybody. Uh, <clears throat> I think that the and I've said this about the FIFA scandal when people said, "Whoa, you know, why doesn't so-and-so pull out? Why don't we start a new organization? Why didn't the United States get out of FIFA? Well, it takes somebody with the cojones to pull themselves out, to actually step out and and choose a dangerous sort of risky path in order to get anybody else to follow. So maybe the United States could step outside, step out of FIFA and get people to follow, or maybe the United States is now on its own and eliminated, eliminated itself from any World Cups for the rest of time in which case soccer dies here or at least takes a big step back or in this case maybe some maybe mexico says we're not getting better in concacaf concacaf stifling us concacaf this concacaf that we're going to apply to join comable comable says sure come on in very much you know i'm thinking of an australia afc type of situation which then leaves the united states in a in a difficult spot because the United is the United States able then to go and join Commonwealth as well as the twelfth team? Where does that leave Costa Rica? Does Costa Rica become New Zealand in Oceania? It's it's politics, politics, politics. All right, uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Thank you very much to everybody who called in. Excellent man, what a show! Hercules Gomez, excellent for about a half an hour there, and then all these callers: Greg, Washington, Joseph, Roberto, Aaron. You guys are all brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Let's uh, let's do this. Let's see you tomorrow. Again, it is Predictapalooza tomorrow. It is um, Guestapalooza. Uh, Guestathon. Predictathon. MLS 2016. Join us then. Alexi Lawless, Grant Wall, host of thousands, or cast of thousands. It'll be fun. And, and yeah, see you then. Bye. <laughs>